you've done for me. I can't pay you back. It's not an even exchange, but I can be appreciative. I can say thank you, Lord, and mean it when I say thank you. Thank you, Lord. You ever stop the Consider all that you need to thank him for. Huh? You, you have time to do that? I bet you don't have time. If you sit down and start thinking about all the stuff you got to thank the Lord for. Yeah, just start this morning. Break it down and see what you got to thank him for this morning. Huh? Yeah, before you woke up, how much did you have to thank him for? And before you were aware, you were even still in the world. When he kept you, when you, as the, the folk used to say, when I couldn't keep myself. Yeah, you ought to say thank you. And then you woke up knowing who you are. Didn't lose your mind in the middle of the night. Yeah, no hurt, harm, or danger befell you in the middle of the night. Yeah, nobody came into your house in the middle of the night. No calamity outside your house. There was no tornado or storm outside. Somebody ought to say thank you, Lord. Yeah, because people in other parts of the world had those calamities going on while you were sleeping snug as a bug in a rug. The Lord kept you. Yeah, and we won't even say thank you. And then you got out the bed. And had the, when you got out the bed, you were still in a house. Yeah, a house with stuff in it that you could use. You weren't outside the house. Yeah, some people woke up this morning on concrete, sleeping on cardboard, with newspaper as their cover, had no food to go to. Yeah, they were afraid all night long their bed partners were rats. Come on now, you ought to say thank you, Lord. You ought to say thank you for being good to me all night long. Stop taking for granted that God's got to do something for you. Learn how to be grateful to the Lord for everything he's done for you. Some of y'all go out and get in cars that cost more than houses, and you won't say thank you. You won't say I love you, Lord, for being so good to me. You take for granted that your car's supposed to start. Anybody but me ever got in it and it didn't say nothing? It didn't talk back to you. Yeah, and, and you were stuck because you didn't have nobody to call. Wasn't no roadside assistance plan. I need to call Uncle Robin. I could go on and on and on, but I shouldn't have to. You ought to be able to rev yourself up like that. By the time you get to work in the morning, it don't matter if folk mean mugging you. You ought to be saying, thank you, Lord. I got somewhere to go today to earn my bread and butter. Thank you, Lord. It don't matter what they say to me, Lord, because you say I'm special. I mean something to you. Yeah, yeah, you ought to say thank you. Yeah, y'all still praying? Anybody pray in here? Anybody know the power of prayer? Communication with the Lord. Yeah, do you pray enough? Oh, be careful. Be careful. Don't walk into that one. Mm -mm. No, because I tell you, life can turn in a moment, and you'll be praying more than you are right now. Prayer still works, though. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of things in life that don't work as well as they used to. Some things we've had to get rid of because that's just broken. Prayer is not one of them. Prayer is still as powerful for me and you as it was for Abraham and all the saints of the ages. Still works the same way. Are you using it? Are you using it? Press still works. It still works. Tell them about it to you. It still works. If you know how to 
pray the situation now. Prayer is the answer. There is no doubt. One day we held on, it together and twins yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stormy and Friday we prayed it all better and Sunday we heard the news. He won't stop blessing you. What he'll do is he'll keep testing you. And a beggar is no less than you. Cause one day it could be you. So get yourself together for some church, y'all. Some good music and some friend service won't hurt. Yeah. Even if you don't believe in the preacher, let's burn a We held it together and Wednesday we had stormy weather and Friday we prayed it all better and Sunday we heard the news Monday we held it together and Wednesday we had stormy weather and Friday we prayed it all better and Thank you, too. Thank you for being obedient. I appreciate it. She did that for me. Yeah. Did you get a blessing, too? Ain't it amazing how that works? Yeah. Yeah. If you stick close enough to people who believe in the Lord, then some of those blessings will flow over on you sometimes. And yeah. Sometimes you can be a blessing to other folk, too. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been, we've been in a sermon series for the last few few weeks that have uh, been trying to get right down into our lives. You know, we've, been, we've been downright nosy, to be honest with you, stepping into who we are. The title of the sermon series is The Struggle is Real. The struggle is real. It is real. And we've been talking about some issues that we've been battling. And those issues have been keeping us from being our most effective version of ourselves. We started out talking about a few weeks ago, Anthony, if you remember, we started out talking about Peter, and we, we talked about when faith and fear collide. Yeah, because there are times in our lives when we're faithful, but we're scared. How do you deal with those circumstances when you say, I believe, but I'm, I'm just afraid of what's going on. And it's, it's human to be afraid. Peter showed us how to maneuver that, and the Lord showed us how to balance that. When Peter actually, look at this now, the only man I know other than Jesus to walk on water. Yeah, Pe Peter can claim that. Yeah, he walked on water. It was, it was brief, but he did. He had faith enough to walk on water, even for a little while. And then we moved on from that sermon, and we talked about something that affects e each one of us significantly. Significantly. We talked about the battle we have with that green-eyed monster called jealousy. Yeah. Yes, yes. And today we want to turn to another, another something that I believe plagues all of us. Some of us wear it, uh, wear the mask a little bit better than other folk, but I, I dare say everybody suffers from it. Uh, today we're going to move, and we're going to be using as a foundational scripture, Exodus chapter 3. Verses 11 through 15. I'm going to read it in your hearing. And when I start reading it, if, you Bible, if you're Bible friendly and you know the Bible, then you'll know we're talking about Moses. And if you know anything about Moses' biography, then you understand that Moses, Moses was far from perfect. 
Yeah, he lived his life, as they say, in 40-year segments. 40 years in the Pharaoh's court, 40 years in the desert, and then he led the children of Israel, of the Hebrew children out of Egypt, and he led them for 40 more years. And we're finding him at the beginning of his last 40-year period. So now he ain't no old, he's no young man. No, no young man, I, I, I'm saying this for a purpose now. I want you to hear me on this. Saying this for a purpose, I want you to understand who we're talking about here because most of the time we strip the character and flesh of Bible individuals and we make them cartoons. They're not cartoons, they're people. They're people just like me and you, they're people. And people have their own issues. Everybody's got issues in here. Look, 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 what, look what Moses wrote. Look what Moses wrote. He wrote, uh, and, and, and you should know this, you should know this, that Moses penned this. The Lord told him to write down what's going on. Moses said to God in verse 11, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? And that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto, unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, look at this, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. That's all God's business card says. Yeah, it, it, it ain't no address on there. No cell phone number, none of that. It just say I am. Yeah. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said, moreover, unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. I want to concentrate on the first part of this passage that I read to you. So you glossed over it, because that's what we do in the Bible. We, we don't read it looking at the people. You, you don't see what's happening in verse 11. That one question that Moses asked. You, you, you don't see what's going on here, but I guarantee you, you're going to see it. And you're going to see yourself in it sometimes, too. And Moses said unto God, who am I? Who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, and, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. For a little while today, I want to talk from this topic, speak from this topic. Uh, who am I? Insecurity. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Me. Am, am I? Me? Am I good enough? One of the greatest challenges each one of us faces in life is to become comfortable in our own skin. Liking ourselves becomes a chore. In fact, insecurity is perhaps one of the biggest problems we have in our culture. And this can stem from childhood experiences from where you were born, um, the socioeconomic status that you were born into. There's so many factors that go into how we feel about ourselves. And sometimes it's exacerbated by how we're treated when we're growing the harsh and critical spirit we have that abounds in our culture. You may have grown up in a fairly decent environment, but you grew up around folk who didn't, and they lay their spirit all over you. Yeah, they, they through, through, through maybe that green-eyed monster that we talked about, and you let that get into your spirit. You, you may have had good mama, good daddy. They brought you up in the best environment they could, but folk been jealous of you. 
because they didn't have what you have, and you have let that seep into how you think about yourself. Just how people talk to each other these days is enough to send you in a tizzy. Because people will say anything. And look, 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 I'm talking about in church. I'm not even talking about outside the church. We can stay right in here and come up with enough sins that we need a whole new Bible to cover some of them. People can be downright ugly to you in the name of the Lord, as they say. Yeah, they will cuss you out and then say they praying for you. Have you just as schizophrenic in here as you can be, you don't know if you want to hug them or hit them because of how they talk to you, and it can cause anybody to be insecure. Now, dealing with insecurity is extremely important because a person who is secure in himself or herself is much more likely to achieve wholesome relationships with other people. Feelings of insecurity, I found, make it more difficult for us to show love and to be loved. Oh, yeah. When I don't know who I am, when I don't appreciate who I am, I have trouble trusting people. So we've got to come to terms, church, with who we are and our own insecurities if we want to really enjoy the love that God has created us to, to enjoy. And it's a problem that, look, men face this just like women. Don't think this is... Don't think this depends on whether you just have estrogen. You got testosterone, it's a problem too. In fact, I dare say to you, it's probably worse among men because we have to put on a mask when we come out. And when you come out and you're not sure who you are, then that's a problem. In insecurity, you'll get yourself caught in a trap. And so the big problem right off the bat is that some of you would strongly deny flat out that you have dealings of insecure, feelings of insecurity. I'm not asking for you to raise your hand because it's not that kind of sermon, all right? But I am asking you to raise your awareness so you can know I'm talking to you, all right? Every time I preach a sermon, people are always looking, to see, looking around to see who I'm talking to. Let me just go on and say it right now. I'm talking to you. The Lord wants me to tell you about you. You don't have to worry about nobody else. Pick the bone, part off the bones you can get and deal with it yourself. Look, I understand how you feel. For a long time, I tell young preachers and pastors this. The longest part I've had, the biggest problem I've had as a pastor and as a preacher is becoming comfortable in how I am as a preacher not trying to be like somebody else, not trying to preach like somebody else or talk or teach like somebody else. I just got to be Dunhill. And the way the Lord gives it to Dunhill is how I give it to you. And we reach a point where that doesn't work anymore. Well, then that's a problem we got to take up with the Lord because he made me who I am. He didn't send me here to mimic somebody. He sent me here to be authentically who I am and to give you what he wants you to know. And that's what I've been struggling, trying to do. And nobody's come up to me and say, I don't like you. That's not the problem of insecurity. The problem is me looking in the mirror saying, I don't like you, Andre. Some of you are struggling with the same thing. And you might not have the task of, of exhortation from the pulpit, but you got to deal with you every day you get up. And that level of insecurity can create all problems. There's a book written in 1960 called Psycho-Cybernetics. It became popular during the 70s. And look at this. The author posits this in that book. He said fully 95% of the population is insecure. 95% of us are insecure and need to learn how to deal with it. So what can cause people? I put a definition up of what insecurity is. You ought to see it, I think. Yeah, I want you to, is it in? I think I put a, a, 
a definition, you know, I did. Um, I thought I did. What can cause people to be insecure? That? I did. <laughs> what can cause people to be insecure? Your upbringing can cause you to be insecure. Not being brought up in a nurturing environment. Parents play favoritism. Come on, you know. Yeah. Big brother always get the favorite stuff. You always get what he don't want. Big sister always get the new dress. You always get to watch her in the new dress. <laughs> Those issues come about. Some parents, I don't know why. I don't know why. Because anybody who's parented children for a long time knows you got to treat each child differently anyway. But even if you treat them differently, that doesn't mean you have to bless one abundantly and ignore the rest. That's just silly. That's just, this, this doesn't make any sense how you do that. Of course you're going to create problems when you do that to children. Uh, tragedies early in life can help you, cause you to have insecurity. I didn't find this out until I started dealing with adults who had problems that had spilled over into the public arena that they were really dealing with problems that they had when they were children, that they've never effectively dealt with them. And sometimes it can cause you to have the issues of uh, not feeling loved or wanted because one of your parents couldn't be there, maybe because of death. And you don't know how to resolve that kind of, of situation, and you don't know enough to go talk to somebody. And so it causes you not to trust who you are. Uh, you go into settings where, like, for example, there's a, a daddy-daughter a uh, 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 donut day at school and you don't have a daddy to go there with you and so that makes you struggle and somehow for some reason you pull in that you're not worthy enough and you struggle with that all your life and that becomes a problem and, and you, you drag that into adulthood without getting some resolve and it can cause problems. It can cause problems with you connecting to people later on in relationships because you don't trust people. It causes insecurity. Big failures in your life. Big failures in your life can just jack you up. Big failures make you think you are less than worry, uh, worthy because somebody, else, because somebody else couldn't appreciate the you you were at that time. You take that to mean you're not worthy. And that can block you as you go forward. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is they may have been patently unfair with you but they would never admit that and do not know the damage they've caused with you. That's something you've got to learn how to resolve. So you ask the question, how do I know whether or not I have insecurities? And so I'm going to give you a list of, char of, of, of characteristics, I think, jump out in people who are insecure. They're not healthy. Okay? So don't think I'm going to tell you things that are healthy. I'm going to tell you the symptoms of insecurity that I see. And you're going to have to see yourself in this if it, if it is you. Uh, I'm not asking you to stand up today and self-identify. I'm not asking everybody in here who's an insecure holic stand up. I'm not asking for that. All right? What I am asking you to do is think. Think. Think and pray. And ask the Lord to guide you through this as we work it out. Because look around. Let me, let me give you this assurance. Everybody look to the left. Now look to the right. I want you looking to the person to the left and to the right. So I should have been more specific. I, don't look up there to the left or the, or the right or whatever. Now look at somebody next to you. Know this, they're insecure too. All right? They're not going to wear it on their clothes. Yeah, but they are. So they're dealing with the same circumstance or they, they're dealing with the circumstances they have to deal with, but everybody's dealing with something. All right, so, 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 so it's ironic now. One of the greatest signs of insecurity is refusing to admit it. So if you're sitting up here saying, why am I here today? Uh, IHOP is open now. I could be there right now. You might be trying to run away from something that don't feel good. All right, you may just not be comfortable about that, and that's okay. You don't have to be afraid or ashamed of it. Admit it. Look, look. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Those were my formative years when I developed into the Donnell that I am today. It was a time of afros, which I could not grow. Oh, this is traumatic. 
All the Jackson 5 had big afros. Every singing group had big afros, and I couldn't get more than a TWA. It was a problem. And then I was short. And I'm short. See, I'm still dealing with that right now. And then I'm short. So short, short hair, yeah. We all have insecurities. So. And then I had the misfortune of always liking girls who were a little bit taller than me. Yeah. I worked that part out now. <laughs> I worked that out. I got together on that one. My route came a little bit better than that. Yeah. What am I trying to say? We all deal with issues. And then, the, the truthfully, I was younger. Because of the circumstances of my education, I was younger than most of the people who were in the class with me. And so I still had to get around that curve, you know, of, of, of how to rap, you know, how to talk, how to do those things. Insecurities abound. Um, but the first characteristic I want to give you, and write this down if you need to, is that most people who suffer from insecurity suffer also from defensiveness. They're defensive. They're, they're defensive about about small things, things that don't even matter, things that when somebody says something to you, you ought to take it and just say, oh, okay, I didn't realize I was doing that. Instead, you jump mad. Because somebody said something to you, they have the audacity to correct you and to tell you you out of line with something or to tell you that wasn't cool the way you said that. And then you get mad and try to psychoanalyze why they even talking to you about that. Just sometimes you just got to take it. You know that folks say, that was real hard the way you talked to them. You shouldn't do that. Look, look, look. In the Bible, there are plenty of folk who suffered from insecurity. Noah, Abraham, Gideon, all ten of the spies that were with Joshua and Caleb were insecure. They didn't believe that God was big and bad enough to do what he said. Elijah, I could go on and on. King Saul is a textbook case in insecurity. He was jealous of a shepherd boy. He had no idea David had been anointed king. All he knew was that a shepherd boy came along. And here he is, the king of Israel, and he's jealous of a shepherd boy. Because the shepherd boy, I told you, got a little bit more attention one day than he got. One day now, one song, they sang a little bit more about David than they did about Saul, and he was insecure about it from that point. Well, he was already insecure, I assure you. If you go back and study that scripture, you'll see that he was not even cast secure enough when they were announcing that he was going to be king to stand out front. He already had issues and pulled himself to the back because he didn't think he was worthy of the task that was being given to him. And he proved that he wasn't worthy of it because he didn't have enough faith to trust the Lord. Saul's insecurities are exemplified in his paranoia of David. Now ask yourself, do I have a tendency toward defensiveness when others share the word of God with me? You get offended, somebody come up to you talking to you about the Lord. Like you know more than they do. Like can, nobody can tell you anything about the Lord that you don't already know. You get defensive about this. Uh, all they're trying to do is share with you. Can I stand to have my opinion challenged? Or am I too insecure to have my opinion challenged? Defensiveness. Another characteristic, another clue, I think, is people who are insecure are selfish. Selfish people. I'm selfish. Yeah, look, 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 look. Luke 16 and 14 says the Pharisees who loved money, they, they loved money. Then Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus, is what he says. In other words, I'm telling this parable of the rich man and Lazarus to people who love money to let you know that riches won't get you into heaven. So let me ask you this question, insecurity. Do you attempt to find security by surrounding yourself with possessions, by people always having to cheer you and celebrate you for everything, for every little thing you do? Do you have to have an attaboy? Are you reluctant to share space and time with other folk? Are you reluctant to cheer other people and compliment other people? 
Do you cringe when somebody else praises them because you think you ought to be getting that praise? Are you like that? When you don't get your way, are you difficult to live with? Do you always have feelings of, of, of I need to be validated when you don't get your way? Does somebody have to come back and massage you to bring you back into relationship? A ask yourself these questions. Do people spend time trying to make you feel all right? Because folk who already know you're insecure have already gotten their game plan together. They say, well, now you know how he's going to be. So we're going to have to do it like this so he doesn't get upset. They already know how you are. They're, a calm, they're, they're doing what they need to do to calm you down a little bit. Do you show other people your dark side when you don't get your way? And is that because they have removed the feeling of security you have that you are important? And when they knock you down a peg by showing you you just another, does that get you in a place that you're not comfortable with? Yeah, everybody wants to be the other. And they get upset when they find out they're just another. Yeah, you want to be the one people point to all the time. Be careful. Am I selfish? Also, you find that people who are insecure make accommodations too much. Oh, this is, this is one of those things that you can spot pretty quickly. The Apostle Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, which were, were falling. They were, they were being preyed upon by false teachers because they were insecure as a church congregation. They were insecure. He wrote, do you think I'm trying to make people accept me? No, God is the one I'm trying to please. Am I trying to please people? If I still wanted to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Too often, we end up just going along with folk because we don't believe our faith is strong enough to draw them, and they need to be tickled to be tolerated. Do you accommodate people too much? You around folk who do stuff you don't like, but you still hang out with them because you want to be liked. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I'm not preaching for you to like me. I just want the Lord to be pleased with me. But now too many of us, too many of us, come on now, too many of us hang out with folk that we really don't enjoy being around, but we are afraid to lose the connection to them because of what we think they mean in our lives, and so we accommodate them. Paul was not an accommodating preacher or teacher, but the false teachers were manipulating people by their insecurities. In other words, because you don't know and understand what the word of God is, I can tell you anything, and you'll go along with it just because you're trying to keep me satisfied. If you don't successfully manage your insecurities, people will manipulate you. Hello, hello, young women that got sorry dudes hanging out with them because you think you're not worth getting anybody better than that. You will let them take advantage of you. Insecurities, and that doesn't just work with young women, that works with young men too. Yeah, maybe she sees you as just a walking paycheck. It's possible. But because you don't think you deserve more or better in life, you tolerate that foolishness in your life. And you let people take advantage of you when everybody around you is saying, she's no good. I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but... You say, how can I recognize this in my life? Do you attempt to gain the approval of other people by bending over backwards to please them? 
I'm not talking about just being nice. There's a line that has to be drawn. You can be nice to people without giving them all your cookies. All right? You, you don't have to do that. Being nice is good. But every now and then, you got to ask yourself, do I have a difficult time saying no to people because I feel that somebody won't, and I'm not even talking about love, that, that somebody won't even like me anymore. And because of that, I won't say anything to them if they speak to you in a certain way. I can tell you, if you're dealing with that, then you're dealing with some insecurities. So, so, so I'm selfish, uh, selfish tendencies. I accommodate people too much, people who don't deserve accommodation. Get it from me. How about this? I overindulge. I overindulge. You know what this is? I eat too much because I'm not satisfied with myself. And so all the folk will go and tell you that you're eating. It's just misery eating. When I get upset, I sit up and I do things that are not beneficial to me. Yeah. And that's why it causes more problems. Yeah. Not, not, not just overeating. I overindulge in everything. Because I'm insecure about who I am, I give myself away if you understand, to too many folk, just to show I'm worthy of them. And, and the reason I'm doing it is not because I feel worthy, it's because I feel worthless. And we tell folk, we tell folk all the time, we tell young women, we tell young men, don't let folk, don't let everybody touch your peaches. All right? Yeah, because when it's time for somebody to buy the peaches, they'll be bruised. And don't nobody want to buy no bruised peaches. I hope y'all hear me. Yeah. If folk on the corner trying to sell bruised peaches all day long, that's like selling dented watermelons. Ain't nobody going to buy that. I overindulge. I put myself in a place because I don't feel good, that I have addictive behavior, food, drugs, sex, all these things, sex, all of it. Psalm 90 and 8 says, and if you know all of your sins, and you know all of your sins, even those we do in secret. Yeah, we have our Sunday school sins, and then we have our Sunday evening secrets. They're not the same. And they can cause problems for us. But somehow we think of all of our sins as Sunday school sins. Everybody thinks their sins are little. And truth of the matter is, they're not little sins. Because there are no little sins. Do you even, let's get off the physical and say, do you just indulge yourself in having a bad attitude all the time? Are you just a miserable something to be around? Because you don't like you, you make it really difficult for other people to like you because you feel that life hasn't given you what you think life should have afforded you. You show up mad every day, everywhere, all the time. I bet if I ask for it, everybody in here knows somebody like this. The problem is they don't know it. And the real problem is, is you. If it's you, that's a problem. Maybe that's the answer to why you don't get the promotion. Maybe that's the answer to why you don't get the dude. Maybe that's the problem to other girl. Maybe that's the problem to why you're still in that place. You need to ask the Lord to show you. Reveal to me, create in me, Lord, a clean heart. And look, renew a right spirit within me. And if I've never known that spirit, give me that spirit of righteousness. Maybe your parents didn't show you the love that you thought you should have had. Or maybe they didn't respect you like you should have. But you're 50 now. You're you 50 now. You've been exposed all your life. You might have been a victim at some point in your life. But right about now, you're volunteering to keep on doing that same old stuff. Why? Because it's become a part of your personality and you don't know how to redirect your energies to do something different. I came to tell you today, you can do it. 
Yeah, there are plenty of ex-whatevers that are walking around right now, ex-angry folk, yeah, ex-miserable folk. All of them found a new life in Christ Jesus. How about I overjudge? And this one, this is get this. Is, I'm too judgmental. Oh yeah, just negative Nancy all the time. Always got to say something negative. Oh, it can't just be. Uh, negative Nancy and negative Nathan. <laughs> Always got something to say about everything. Yeah, somebody can show up with an angel. <laughs> and they got something negative to say about it. Yeah, look, look what I found. I found an angel. Yeah, but he's short. <laughs> they they going to say something negative about a situation. Why? Because it's in them. To be judgmental, it ain't Peter. <laughs> you didn't bring no archangel. It's going to be something negative about the situation. I'm just judge, judgmental, not constructively, but critically. See, it's one thing to help people through constructive criticism, to talk to them about things that elevate them to another level. It's a completely different thing to judge people and always just to be critical. And so are you consistently finding fault, you need to check yourself because nobody knows this. Nobody knows this. I've heard too many times, too many women say when they walk in, they watch women look them from top to bottom before they say hello. In, in other words, I've checked you out already. I already formulate my opinion about what I'm going to say, and that's not, that's anybody. That's not just women, that's anybody. People do that to everybody. Our insecurities cause us to do this because of the fallen nature we have. We are consistently, subconsciously, and incorrectly concluding that if I break somebody else down, that's going to make me feel better. And that is a fallacy that we have. The good news is that you don't have to resort to any of those bad behaviors. You just need to know that the Lord loves you. You first got to love you. If you love you, then you can show that in how you interact with other people. One of my uh, favorite scriptures is this. Zephaniah 3 and 17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. The Lord considers you a treasure. You simply need to appreciate and accept that he loves you. And once you know that the Lord loves you, then you can walk on through that kind of love into anything. But too many of us think just the opposite. We think nobody loves us. Look, 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 look. I know life is hard. I know that. I, I know that. I know people go through trouble and, and tribulation. I'm not trying to discount that at all. But if you go through the trouble and tribulation and you carry it day to day, then isn't the trouble and tribulation winning? You're not winning under those circumstances. You've allowed it to completely take over your life. You've allowed it to become who you are and who wants to be recognized as the worst time in their life. And yet we struggle with that all the time. Romans 8 and 28, you know it says that God can take everything, put it together, and even the bad things can be made to work out for our good. And this is for those of us who love him. That's everything. A-L-L. -L. He can put it together. Only he can do it. So how do I grow if I'm struggling with this? If I'm looking and I found out that I may be a little selfish and that I, I struggle sometimes with accommodating people maybe when I shouldn't, particularly, particularly when they, they, don't miss, they don't treat me well, and maybe I overindulge in some areas and tend toward being judgmental. And what do I do about all this stuff? First of all, you need to admit it. Admit you have those feelings, right? Moses, right off the bat, that's what the scripture I read. You saw him, he said, who am I to go talk for these people? I'm struggling. Look, he's 80 years old and he's still struggling with feelings of adequacy. He was raised in Pharaoh's 
court. He had exposure to the best the world had to offer, and yet he doesn't feel like he's able to go and do something. That's why I wanted to tell you how old he was. It's not just anybody. It's everybody. Why would Moses, who was raised in Pharaoh's temple, be afraid to go talk to Pharaoh? He doesn't feel adequate enough to go and to lead those people, even though, now there was some sin that took place between that, but he still just didn't feel like he was man enough. And God said that you go because I'm going to be there with you. And wherever, wherever I am, you're going to be all right when I'm with you. How about this? Admit you got those feelings, and then you need to set a goal. You need to set a goal. You need to say, today, maybe it maybe, maybe needs to be smaller than that. I, I'm not going to be negative this hour. No, 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 no. Sometimes we try to bite off too much of the elephant. All right? Yeah. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time? Yeah, but, but sometimes you try to bite too much. And say, I'm going to go through the next hour or so, and I'm not going to have any negative thoughts. I'm not going to try to try to judge anybody this whole hour. And then if you can master an hour, go to two. Before long, you'll be working on an afternoon. And then you'll get a whole day. And before long, you'll have changed, not the circumstances, but you'll change how you view the circumstances. And that ends up having a change in you. There's a man... who lived in the Philippines. Let me give you this, and then I'll tell you about him. You need to stop also comparing. Stop comparing what other folk got. Stop looking at them. Stop looking at how God has blessed them, because this is the kind of insecurity that just, just, that's really just jealousy. Just jealousy. God gave you that, but he didn't give me anything, or God let you do this. Why is your life so much better than mine? Stop asking those whys and be thankful for what you have. Thank you, Lord. And then you need to start believing the scripture. Believe what the Lord said. God has never let any of his people down. You won't find in scripture that God has allowed any of his people to not go without his presence. That's not to say they don't go through anything. Because we do. No, no. We, we go through things, but God is always with us. It's not designed in this world for everybody to be one way or the other. He has blessings that he spreads all over us in different ways. And so how can I be sure that God loves me all the time, even in the hard times? There's a gentleman who was from the Philippines. Josh Hunt was a missionary there. and The man that he watched when he was there as a missionary was a bad man. He was not a good man by any definition. And he was insecure. Because of his own personal circumstances, he took his insecurities out on others, especially his children. And for some reason, as mean and awful as he was, this man had two wives and 24 children. But he was a mean something. He used to just, just inflict harm on people because he could. There were some instances where he used to walk around at one point just cutting people with a razor. He was awful. His family knew he was awful. But somehow, his name was Mr. Gepti, and somehow Mr. Gepti got exposed to the word of God. One of those missionaries came over there and showed him who God was and what God could do. Look at this now. Look at this. Showed him who God was and who he could do, and Mr. Gepti got saved. Now, 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 I'm going to show you this. Some people, you know when they get saved, you can see the change in their life. You can see that they're doing differently. But some folk seem to really get saved. And they are so different from what they used to be that there's no doubt that the new spirit of God, the spirit of God, is all over them. That's how Mr. Gepti was. He was the difference in night and day. Night and day, I mean, he was completely different, remorseful for how he had lived, so much so that one of his children was talking to the missionary, and the man said to him, my daddy has a new man inside. He's got a new man inside. He's not the same person that he was that I've known all my life. There is a new man, a new man in him. And Mr. Gepti, after all his awfulness, had one fervent desire, because he loved the Lord so much, 
and that was before he went to see Jesus. He wanted to make sure that all 24 of his children knew the Lord. And the day before he died, the 24th child accepted Christ because a bad man who was insecure had enough about him to change and to teach his children how good God could be. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how awful it is. If God can save a thief on a cross and take him to paradise, there's nothing that you can't do to be blessed with him. Believe in the scripture that he loves you and he came to die for your sins. I read about a, a rookie rock climber who was with someone who was very experienced and they were climbing a mountain that they had never climbed before. And the rookie was petrified, petrified because he had not been in that place before. But the veteran told him, don't worry, I've gone this way before and I've secured the ropes so you won't fall. I came to tell you today that Jesus Christ has gone this way before and he's secured the ropes and you will not fall. You just got to trust him. That's my question for you today. Who are you trusting in? If you're still trusting in yourself, then you'll leave here not learning the lesson that you need to learn. But if you trust in him, then I guarantee you he can make a new man in you, a new woman in you. And not only will it change your life, look at the effect it can have on generations to come. You got to trust that he came and came as a baby. The baby cried on, on cue. You got to trust that he came as a baby. You also got to trust that he lived like you and like I do. You got to trust that he stayed here. The Bible says he stayed here about 33 odd years. But can I tell you something? He died a death that he wasn't due to die because he hadn't done anything wrong. But he died for you and for me. But that wasn't the end of the story. If that was the end of the story, then I couldn't come talk to you about being insecure because we'd all be messed up if he stayed dead. But the truth of the matter is, as he promised, three days later, he was resurrected. And that's why you and I can have hope and trust in things to come. That's why it might look dark today, but there's a silver lining to every cloud, and the cloud is lit by the Spirit of the Holy God. And I came to tell you today, he loves you. He loves you. If nobody else loves you, he loves you. If nobody else allowed you to trust in him, you can trust in him. But you got to accept his gift of salvation. Today's the day. Make a change today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you today to trust him with your life today. If you've never given him your life, now's the time. I'm extending an invitation to you to believe that he died for you. I'm extending an invitation to you to become a part of his family. I'm extending an invitation to you to become a part of this family. Whatever the case may be, the doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now. Right now. You're worthy. Come on. He loves you. He blesses you.